0: There can be times where we come across difficult passages where we're like, wait, work out your salvation? Does that mean I have to earn my salvation? And that's where we want to be students of the Word over time, because when you find these connecting elements, you begin to see these great principles of Scripture. And so that when you get to a more challenging passage, as you will, When you get to that passage, it doesn't throw you off your game. You're not like, okay, now I'm freaked out. I can't continue to read the Bible because um, this passage makes me think that God is vengeful or God is angry or God is punishing me or whatever. Stay with it because as you begin to connect more and more of the Bible and understand the principles of the Bible, it will become easier to dive deeper into challenging passages and understand the context of them. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the How to Study the Bible podcast. I can't believe we're in our last episode already in this series that we titled Abundantly Free, where we're looking at the book of Philippians and just taking a little, little bite out of each chapter, um, just ex- experiencing together what God has for us each day. If you're new with us, I want to let you know that all of what we're doing is based on this idea called the Alive Method, which is just a simple way, a simple framework to understand your Bible, just you and a study Bible and God. Um, coming really to the Bible as a place to experience God, um, not just for the sake of Bible knowledge, but because You want to be transformed, that you want to experience the kind of full and free life that we are promised in Jesus Christ. And that faith, as we've talked about in these last few episodes, that faith is an active faith. And so we do have a responsibility to show up, as we talked about in uh, Philippians 2, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, which means to be in reverence toward God and what he's doing in the world and in us, and to show up ready to receive from him, not as people who are above scripture, but as those who are receiving from our living God who says and promises that his word is alive and active in our life. So if you're new to this, I want you to know the Alive Method is based on a book called Help My Bible Is Alive that um, I've written for you that gives you really a 30-day experience, just like boot camp. If if you read the reviews on Amazon, you're going to see that people who are new to faith, people who've been in faith for a long time, um, find this, hopefully, and to be a helpful, practical way to spend 15 to 20 minutes a day and actually like your Bible, like it for the first time or Or like it again, if it's been a while. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to discover together what God has for us each day. And, And truly, there would never be enough days in any of our lives to fully experience the depths of all God has given us in His Word. It's just always alive. It's always active. It's always working in us, whether you are 16 years old or 66 years old, whether this is really a great day for you or really, really a bad one. Either place, all across the spectrum, God can meet us. So we're in Philippians 4, and I just want to point out, because it feels like a little bit of an inside joke now, uh, Ephesians 4, the first verse starts with therefore. And as you guys know, therefore is one of my favorite Bible words because it's connecting what happened before to what's happening next. And I think because we are often tempted to just read one verse or one phrase and kind of grab onto it and not see it in its context, this word, therefore, that just shows up over and over again is a reminder that all of these thoughts are connected. And if you ever find yourself maybe reading scripture or reading an article or hearing a sermon where it feels like what you're hearing doesn't seem to connect with what you know about God... Just know that um, these connecting elements are what keeps us grounded in the truth of who God is, that there can be times where we come across difficult passages where, like we talked about in chapter two, where we're like, wait, work out your salvation? Does that mean I have to earn my salvation? And that's where we want to be students of the Word over time, because when you find these connecting elements, you begin to see these great principles of Scripture. And so that when you get to a more challenging passage, as you will, when you get to that passage, it doesn't throw you off your game. You're not like, okay, now I'm freaked out. I can't continue to read the Bible because um, this passage makes me think that God is vengeful or God is angry or... God is punishing me or whatever. Whenever you find that you get to a tricky passage that you don't understand, stay with it. Because as you begin to connect more and more of the Bible and understand the principles of the Bible, it will become easier to dive deeper into challenging passages and understand the context of them. And don't forget your study notes. If you I talk about Bibles a lot in help my Bibles alive like but the study notes in a good study Bible will help keep you on track and they're there for a They really do help you understand what's happening, especially if you're newer to reading the Bible for yourself. You might feel a little overwhelmed when it comes to trying to figure out what principles are at play, but the the study notes will help you quite a bit there. Okay, so we're in Philippians 4. I'm going to read the end of verse 5 and then all the way through verse 8. The end of verse 5 says, "'The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything.'" Think about such things. Verse nine goes on and says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I just got into it. I had to include the last verse. I wasn't planning on it, but it feels important. So oftentimes when I'm reading, I find like, where's a beginning and an end that seems to make sense to me. And I just love this passage. I want us to focus in on this passage. It's a little bit, I'm going to give you a little bit of a different way to kind of break it down in this first question. The first question is, what does it say? And this particular passage is is not as As hard to understand like it's not as connected like we talked about in the last episode. We were like, well, what is all of this? What is it? We had to do some work to find that. I mean, Paul is just giving us like rapid fire instructions that you could pull any single one of them and be like, that's it. That's my word for the day. That's what I need to hear. Um, It's pretty easy to just jump right into it. So when we're talking about what does it say, but because it says a lot, because there's quite a few different phrases, and one of the things that's really important about coming to scripture is that we don't want to come to scripture and leave and be like, I don't know, I read something like... You want to leave your Bible with conviction, like with encouragement. You want to have a specific, like, this is what I got from today. So sometimes in these passages, which don't take as much digging, let's say, but there's a lot of different stuff in them, you may be like, oh, that sounds great, yeah absolutely, peace of God, I need that. Like you're in it, but then you leave it. And by lunchtime, you're like, what did I read? Hmm, How does it apply to my life? Don't know. So I want to make sure we don't do that today. And this is one of the ways I do that is I try to make lists. I underline in my Bible or circle things in my Bible. And I look, especially with commands. And as I kind of looked over this and read it a few times through, I came up with, okay, there's some do's and do nots. In this passage, so I'm going to organize in my journal a list of do's and do nots, and I'm going to find everything that Paul says to do in this passage and everything Paul says not to do, and I'm just going to lay them out so that I make sure that I know what we're talking about, right? Okay, so I'm looking at the do's, I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? Do it says, uh, present your request to God, do that, okay? It also says, um, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure. Whatever is lovely, so I'm writing those words down, lovely, admirable, noble, true, um, excellent, praiseworthy. It says, think about those things. Okay, so I'm like, think about those things. And then I see, okay, it also says to put things into practice. So I'm going to put, put into practice under dues. So now I know that I've got a list of things that I can be doing, things that I can be doing when it comes to prayer, things that I can be doing in my thought life, and things that I can be doing in my actions, And then I look back and I'm like, okay, now I'm going to write the do nots starting in verse six, do not be anxious about anything. So I'm like, okay, do not be anxious, put that down. And I read, 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 reading, reading, reading. I'm like, oh, that's it. (laughs) That's it. There's only one do not in this whole passage and everything else is a do. And then there's kind of this result. So I've got my list of do's. I've got my list of one do not, do not be anxious in what anything. Do not be anxious about anything. So I'm like, hmm, I think I'll write down anything. Do not be anxious about anything. And then it says at the end that this is the results of following this action plan. If you follow this action plan, it says in verse seven, the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Transcends means it's above your understanding. It's beyond your understanding. The peace of God is going to do something interesting. And I would be like putting a question mark and circling right here. The peace of God is going to guard my heart and it's going to guard my mind in Christ Jesus. And then when I read to the end of it, I'm like, oh, and then it says it again in verse nine, and the God of peace will be with you. So if I follow the action plan of do's and do nots in this passage, the results that I should expect are that there's going to be this peace of God, which is going to go beyond my understanding. I think that's a very important part because a lot of times I think we like to think our way into peace. I'm going to think my way into being a peaceful person. And if you struggle with anxiety, which who among us has not had a worry? I mean, everyone. Everyone whatever level you struggle with anxiety, what you find is that a lot of times anxiety is about trying to think our way into peace. Like if I can plan enough, if I can guard enough, if I can be on the defensive enough, if I can think about this enough, if I can think through all the potential scenarios, if I can think through all of my fears, then I'm going to arrive at peace. And oh, my brothers and sisters, if that ain't a lie, It just makes me laugh. I'm like, I have never thought my way to peace. It's just, it does not work. When there's anxiety, I love that this passage says, listen, the peace of God is going to go beyond your understanding. The peace of God is going to exist even when in your thought pattern, you don't think there's any way that it could exist. Now, what this means, if we're going to think about it when we're in this, what does it say passage, like, what does it say? That's basically saying, I believe I should not expect my circumstances to change in order for peace to come, but actually I should expect to be blown away that in the midst of the circumstances that I'm in, I could actually have peace, that that's available to me. And how interesting is it that Paul uses this word guard, that this peace of God, this peace that God gives is guarding you. It's guarding your mind, guarding your heart. And if I was preaching a sermon, I'd say, brothers and sisters, we got to do some guarding of our hearts and minds. What do you need to be guarding your heart and mind against? What's coming in there that is keeping you from the peace of God? What is being allowed in your spirit and in your soul that's keeping you from the peace of God? Because we have one do not in this passage It's do not be anxious about anything. So I would ask you, is there anything coming into your life right now that is making you anxious? Is it possible that you could remove that thing or is it possible that God wants to use that thing to show you that you are more than that and that you can rise above that? This is the promise of God is this kind of peace. So our second question is, what's the backstory? Well, we're kind of familiar with the backstory now. That's what's cool about studying a whole book of the Bible together, is we've got that backstory. We know where Paul was, but it's always worth reminding yourself. You're like, okay, wait. Chapter one, remember, we talked about this idea of this redemptive story that God uh, wants to use even hard things in our lives to bring his, himself glory, that, that people see that. That's what Paul talks about in his personal experience. And chapter two, we talked about what does it mean to have an active faith, to work out our salvation. Chapter three, we talked about this whole um, concept of our citizenship is in heaven and that our ultimate goal is beyond this earth. And now we're here in chapter four with these like final words of instruction. And after all of that, now we're reading, okay, do not be anxious and here's how to do it. So that's our backstory for this part. And then we're going to ask ourselves, well, what does this mean? What does it mean for um, sort of question three in the Alive Method? What does it mean for me to be in a position where I could experience the peace of God that transcends all understanding? And I don't need to look far for that answer because it's given to me in this passage. There's things that I need to not do, and there's things that I need to do, and that's going to give me this result, and that result will be that the God of peace will be with me. So if I was going to say a principle from this passage, and I'm going to hold that out and say, okay, let's explore if we think this is true. The principle that I would say is peace is accessible no matter the circumstance. And when you think about the fact that Paul was writing in prison, that Paul had his own experience of sufferings, deep sufferings that Paul experienced and we even see it in this passage which we're not going to look at today but we do look at in the digital resource he experienced uh division and disunity he experienced being misunderstood he he had not only the emotional pain that we experience in our human life but also physical pain and suffering because of his commitment to the gospel he he has authority he has authority to make a statement like peace is possible no matter your circumstances. And I, and I believe that to be true. I think it was true for what he was writing then. And I think it's true for how we apply it now. So question four is, what does it mean for me? And I'd love to give you a really practical way that you can use application at this point. So you've you've read through this passage, you've, you've hi- seen the do nots, do not be anxious about anything, and the do's. And by the way, if that is tripping you up, And you're like, you don't understand. I don't know how to stop my racing thoughts. I really struggle with anxiety. Does this mean that I'm not saved? No, that is not what this means. This is, this is an instruction that Paul is giving. And in order to understand the do not part, you've got to move toward the do. Like, He gives us what to do. What would it look like to fix your mind on what is true, what is noble, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable? This is why I'm all the time saying to people, are you listening to worship music? (laughs) I'm all the time saying to people, are you listening to worship music? Is there stuff coming into your life that is creating fear and anxiety? Where is the true, noble, pure, righteous stuff? And I know that it is, it is righteous and true and noble. I can find that in worship music. I can find that in scripture. I can find that in creation. I don't find it in a lot of other places. I can find it in fellowship with believers who are encouraging me in my faith through their stories. But there's a lot of stuff out there in the world that is not going to be in this category. So if you are really struggling with this idea of not being anxious about anything, I want to encourage you toward the do part of the list and ask you, what are you doing to get true, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy things into your life? There was a time in my ministry leadership where I was working at a church where we had five services in a day. So on those days, I would go to church five times in a row. So I would listen to worship music, the same worship music worship set five times in a row. And I really started to be like, I think that's the amount I need. <laughs> I mean, early on in my ministry life when I was in seminary, I drove five hours to my seminary classes, which were over the weekend, and I would listen to worship music, and it would take me an hour and a half before I felt like my heart was settled enough to like really pray. Sometimes I think that we've kind of like made Christianity, we've bottled it up into these little bits, 15-minute bits, or maybe an hour on a Sunday, and we're, we're giving the impression that somehow that's going to be enough for your active faith. But that has not been my lived experience at all, that in order to actually not be anxious, there has got to be a lot of this good, true, noble, right, pure, admirable stuff getting into me in order for me to live out the fullness of this promise of what I am trying to press on toward this goal in Christ Jesus. And if that's you, I just want to encourage you, maybe you just need more of it. Like <laughs> Maybe you just you need more of it. And there's plenty of it out there. There's so many resources and so many ways that you can get things that are pure and noble and admirable and lovely into your life and part of it is also just reflecting on those things that actually getting that stuff into you is going to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So the application for today is I want to invite you to think about this question. What is it that you need to state? So that might be something from this passage that you're like you want to state something to be true. Like I do not want to be anxious for anything or God will guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. State, what do you need to state to yourself today that's true? What is it that you need to start today? When you think about this passage, is there something here in this passage that you need to start doing? And finally, what is it that you need to stop? Is there something from this passage? Is there a conviction in your spirit as God speaks into your life that you just need to stop? And sometimes we need to stop things for a little bit of time. Sometimes we need to stop them forever. Um, sometimes you just might have this little, like this little niggling thought in your mind that, like maybe that, maybe that TV show is not worth watching, or like maybe that, maybe that particular thing that I spend time doing, or maybe like. If you feel that little bit of niggling, it's usually, it's not condemning, it's not a shaming voice, but if it's just a a voice of conviction, I want to invite you. That's the spirit of God. And if you're waiting for God to speak to you, he's speaking to you. (laughs) The question is, do you want to put it into practice? Because this passage says, hey, you got to go put it into practice. Everything you've learned from me, you need to put into practice. And this is an opportunity to do so. So what is it you need to state? It may only be one of these things. What is it you need to state? What is it you need to start Or what is it you need to stop? That's a great framework that you can apply anytime you're working through your passage of scripture in this last little bit when you're asking, what does this mean for me? What does this mean? Peace is possible in every circumstance. What does it mean for you? Well, I encourage you right now to think about this question and to state what is true that you need to hear right now, just between you and God, as you finish up this podcast, take a moment, breathe again and say, God, I hear you and I receive you. Thank you guys for coming on this mini journey through the book of Philippians. It's been great. I'd love to stay connected to you. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook. You can check me out on my own podcast called Let's Be Real. You'll see it right there wherever you find your podcast. And of course, if there's anything I can do to serve you, I'd love to hear from you. There's tons of ways to reach out. You can find me at NicoleUnis.com. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and our executive producer Stephen McGarvey and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out our website at NicoleEunice.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that, plus a link to Nicole's site, in today's show notes. Hi friend, are you stressed? Maybe even worried about so many needs around you that you've forgotten you are worth taking care of too? Well, I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe,